0: Hey, 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 you guys, this is your girl Vet Green coming to you on my Think and Grow podcast. I hope that you are enjoying the content, and if you are, please make sure you subscribe. Subscribe right now so that you can get firsthand anytime I drop a new episode. Subscribe so that you'll be informed. Subscribe, 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 and share. Come on, support your girl. I am out here doing the work that I know God wants me to do. This is my purpose, you guys. I am walking in my purpose. It took me a long time, a long, long, long time to figure out what I was here for. And now that I know, now that I see what God saw in me, I am trying to fulfill that purpose. I am trying to reach that promise that God said I can have, you guys. So make sure before you finish listening to this podcast that you like it, that you subscribe it, And please share it because if you're getting something out of it, chances are someone that you know will get something out of it as well. So first I want to say rest in peace to a friend of mine, someone that I grew up with, um, Latrice Gilbert. You will forever be in my heart. Please rest peacefully knowing that there's no more pain, no more hurting. You know, it it, it hits differently, you guys, when someone passes on that you have not only personally known, but you grew up together. You know, growing up in the Dorothy Glover Projects in Lackawanna, New York, you know, it, it was a small community. It's still a small community, and we we all knew each other. We played in the apartment buildings together. We called them the apartment buildings, <laughs> but it was uh, the apartment buildings, and uh, when we were little, the there was only one way in and one way out, um it's different now. There's actually um everyone has their own porch and their own doors, but when we were growing up in the apartment buildings, there were just two entrances and we would you know during the winter times we would actually play inside the apartment buildings in the hallway of the apartment building. So, you know, it was a bunch of us girls, we would go to each other's apartment buildings and Play high go seek in there and go to the playgrounds together and you know it was it was nice because it felt like a community. We would do go to um, day camp together um, at the C A O, and at that time, everyone looked out for each other. Everyone. Cared about what was going on in our community. We would have different functions during the summertime. I remember when they blocked off the parking lot in uh, the projects where we lived. There was a we called it the U Drive. It was actually a parking lot shaped and uh, shaped as a U. And they blocked that off, and we would go out there and skate during the summertime. They would have functions, summer parties. Um, I remember when uh, different people would come around, and we had um, a party on the benches. It was actually a section where people could go and congregate. And we made pineapple pizza, and I remember they had these grills, outside they had brought these grills and they helped us make pizza so it it was really really fun we had a sense of not only belonging just knowing that everyone cared knowing that everyone had the same intention to make sure that we as kids could just have fun and just be children you know there there wasn't a sense that there was any danger around. It was it was really all love. And I don't see that as much anymore. You know, it, it breaks my heart to see that the community that I knew, that I loved, has been split so bad due to poverty, oppression, drugs, violence, it, it, There's no longer a sense of belonging anymore. And as kids, I always felt that in the community. Yeah, we did have our own issues, you know. Hurt people hurt people, but the community looked out for each other. I couldn't be out in about doing anything bad and not get reprimanded for that. You know, when, when they say it takes a village, growing up, there was a village in my Gates Avenue now Dorothy Glover Projects. I remember Miss Atlee if, if you were outside and you were doing something that you weren't supposed to be doing, it was nothing for Miss Atlee to come out her door, stand on that porch and reprimand you and tell you to go home to your mother without an issue. If there was nothing to that, Miss Emily, listen, you were not going to be running around that projects, acting like a fool and not expect to be told on because it was not happening. When the village told you that you needed to be doing something, you needed to be doing that. There was a sense of family growing up and I don't see that anymore. One of the things that they did when they pushed drugs into our in into our neighborhoods, they broke that. They killed that because they took the men outside the men out of the homes. They took the women, the moms outside of the homes, and they were chasing these drugs. So in in, in place of that, children started having to take care of themselves. We started having to look outside of our homes for that sense of family. When you take the head of the household, the head of the household, and turn them into something less than who they really are, that breaks that bond. That breaks that familial bond. And that's what happened in a lot of our neighborhoods, including mine. The, the neighborhood that I once knew was gone. Within a matter of years, it was gone. There were children raising children in these neighborhoods where the mom once was, where the dad once was. The children started having to take care of themselves because the parents were off on drugs. Because the parents no longer could function as they once were. The father started going to jail. The mom started, started what they call turning tricks. Chasing after these drugs. There was no stability in the homes. There was no one telling kids that you need to be doing this. That was taken away the neighborhood started deteriorating. I'm saying this to say you guys that all is not lost. We can still bounce back from what was done to us. We still have the capacity to bounce back. There are things that was done to us systematically On purpose, when you take a person and rip the identity away from them, that means that they no longer know who they truly are. When we were brought, when our ancestors were brought over here 400 years ago, the identity that they had was stripped away from them. So when you strip away the identity of who a person is supposed to be, they go through life feeling lost. A lot of the people that I grew up with and a lot of the people that were in my neighborhood are still functioning in that capacity of not knowing who they truly are. I went through years of not knowing who I really was. My grandmother, God rest her soul, was born in 1927 in North Carolina. Her father was murdered. Her mom, a single mom brought her and her other three siblings up to Buffalo, New York in the early 1930s as a single mom a black mom with four small children i can't imagine the fear that must have been in her heart she had lost her husband through murder and she decided to take her children her four small children up to a place that she did not know what laid in front of her to seek a better life for her and them. Now, this is all in the midst of segregation. Women didn't have that many rights. And the family that she knew down south lived in fear constantly because at this time, we were told where we could go, who we could be, we were, we were treated as less than citizens, as less than human, and yet we were still supposed to try and make a life for ourselves, a limited life. They limited the capacity of who we could think we could become. Everything about our lives were limited. But yet we were supposed to function. We were supposed to function as if the world was at our beck and call. Imagine the fear that was in her. She wasn't in Buffalo, New York for too long before she was also killed. We still don't know what happened to my grandmother's parents. But what we do know is that those four children were split up, never to see each other for years. They didn't meet up again until they were well until they're into their twenties and they had kids themselves. So imagine being a young child, your ancestors were limited and what they could believe about themselves. And you, at three years old, had to start fending for yourself. And the family that you had known was torn apart. What type of identity do you think you would have? What type of belief do you think you would have about yourself? All of this was done during segregation, you guys. And then you start having a family. You get married and you're still holding on to these limited beliefs. But you decide to have a family and try and do the best that you can with what you know. Those children that you're raising with the beliefs that you have, those beliefs that you have are going to be passed on to that next generation. So what I'm saying, you guys, is that when you take a race and you lead them to believe that they are less than who they truly are, And then you add a narcotic to that. You push these drugs into their neighborhoods. Have them get addicted. Take the family structure out of the home. What do you think is going to be left? Chaos. A sense of loss. A sense of, why am I even here? A sense of, I'll never be able to amount to anything because I don't see anyone around me pushing to amount to anything. What I see, what I see is destruction. What I see is poverty. What I see is oppression. So how in the hell... Am I going to expect me, little old me, to amount to anything? Do you guys feel what I'm saying here? Do you Can you picture what I am saying right now? Growing up in the late 1970s, early 80s, my neighborhood was beautiful. Yes, I did live in the projects, and yes, there was some poverty there, but you couldn't have told me that the people around me didn't care. You couldn't have told me that my neighborhood would have turned into what it eventually turned into. The systematic oppression that they've placed into our society may not be realized by some people that's listening to this podcast right now because it's normalized to us. It was normalized to me because I didn't know any better, because I didn't see any different. Across the bridge was an actual thing. And it's still an actual thing, even though across the bridge, and some of you listening to this podcast right now may be wondering, what is across the bridge? Well, you guys, across the bridge was where the white people lived when I was growing up. Few and far between black people were able to actually go across the bridge. When my mom was growing up, We had everything we needed. They had everything they needed on their side of the bridge. There were stores, there were restaurants, there were bars. You didn't have to go on the other side of the bridge. It was segregated. It was segregated. So when I started, when I was born and I grew up, across the bridge was still a thing. If you ask anyone from Lackawanna, Black or white, Puerto Rican or Arabian. What is across the bridge? Across the bridge is the other side of the bridge where certain people did not belong. Across the bridge was where you saw the beautiful houses. Across the bridge was where you saw the park. Across the bridge was where the wealth was. And on my side of the bridge was where most of the poverty was. All that divided that was income and a freaking bridge. So imagine if you include people who are trying to escape the poverty stricken South, coming up to the North with a limited mindset Imagine what that can do to their children. Imagine what they would believe that they can accomplish in their life. Imagine that in 1982, when the, one of the only places that a lot of our grandparents could work at because their education, their education was based on more than likely a third grade education. So when in 1982, when the one place that they could actually get gainful employment closed down, what do you think is going to happen? Do you guys get what I'm saying here? I I am trying to portray for you, paint a picture of what happened in so many inner city environments and why this is continuing to happen and why we aren't able to get ahead because it's more than just a mindset, you guys. We have to realize what actually happened because we see it. And when you see something for so long, it becomes normal. It doesn't automatically click in our heads what happened because we see it, but we don't actually see it. I'm going to pause for a moment because I need that to click in someone's head that's listening to this right now because this is for you. When we see it, but we don't actually see it, it makes a difference. Because when we see it and we see it, we can acknowledge it, And take action to make some changes, not only in our life, but in other people's life. Because when we decide to make those changes in our lives, there's a trickle-down effect that can happen. There's a trickle-down effect that can happen because you become an example of what rising out of that oppression looks like you become an example of what they try to keep away from us. That limited belief that they painted in our heads when they show those pictures of Africa and they show those little kids with flies flying around them, landing on their heads and these big bellies and these ribs sticking out out of the sides of their bodies. You become the example of what they tried to keep away from us when they decided to push those drugs into our neighborhoods, when they decided to take those jobs out of our neighborhoods. You become an example of what it looks like to rise above everything that they tried to keep away from you and our ancestors. What we have to do, you guys, is not an easy task because what we are doing is removing the chains. And yes, I know you guys have heard me say this time and time again, but it is so important because I need you to picture this. A picture is worth a thousand words, you guys. Yes, it is. But this picture that I am trying to paint in your head is worth over a million because once you can see the atrocity, once you can see the oppression, your mind will begin to change because you'll want to do something about it. You'll want to take action in your own life so that that trickle down effect that I just spoke about can happen. We have to uprise ourselves out of that systematic oppression. We have to take charge in our own lives to make sure that the next generation will not have to face the poverty that some of us had to face. That mindset, that, that limited belief that we can't achieve greater than what our ancestors had, has to stop, and it can stop with us. My grandfather came to Buffalo in the 1940s with less than a fifth grade education. He was employed by Bethlehem Steel Corporation. He raised his children to believe with what he believed in. So imagine if you came from the segregated South, Tuscaloosa, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Imagine what you believed about yourself. You believe that you're supposed to get a job and take care of your family. That's it. My grandfather wasn't affectionate to his kids. He didn't know about that because he was raised that you take care of your family. Taking care of your family is how you showed love. What is love when you have a limited belief about who you are? When you're told that you can't go into that restaurant, when you're told that you can't go to that bathroom, When you're told that you need to be in the house at a certain time, because if you aren't, you may end up hanging on somebody's tree. Imagine that limited belief that they had. So when they raised their children, they raised them with limited beliefs. And then you add drugs to that. You add drugs to the limited belief that we already had. What do you think is going to happen? And it's still going on because then they also added mass incarceration and the drug laws. So I am here to say, you guys, it is not too late. The best way to arm ourselves is with knowledge and a belief that no matter what we went through, we can still overcome that systematic oppression. No matter what our ancestors went through, we can still uprise out of that evilness, out of that limited belief that they tried to paint in our heads by showing these pictures of something that was not even true. Yes, there's there's poverty everywhere, including Including Africa. But did you know that there's beautiful waterfalls there? Did you know that I I was 40 years old before I knew that? Today is Christopher Columbus Day. The day that I'm recording this podcast is Christopher Columbus Day. Did you know that we are still celebrating that, that this man has a day? But he murdered and raped So many people came to a land that wasn't his and claimed it and moved the native people that were here off the land through force and that it's still being done today through gentrification? It's not over, you guys. It's not over. We need to claim our neighborhoods back. We need to put that same type of it-takes-a-village mentality back into our neighborhood so this violence can stop. We need to train ourselves and reach our hand out to those who need the help and those who want the help. Because I know this is going to go over some people's head. Because not everyone is open-minded enough to realize the systematic oppression, to realize that this is true that we are still holding on to that slave mentality through our actions. Through inequality, we are still being oppressed. You guys, this message is for someone and I hope that that someone is listening right now because I know I'm not alone. I know you feel it too. And I know you want some change in your life and I'm here to let you know that it is not too late. It is not too late for you. Hold on to that and take action. That's it for now, you guys. I love you. Rest peacefully, Latrice Gilbert. Rest peacefully. Gone too soon. You guys, make sure you like, love, subscribe, share. Please share this message. This is a purpose, you guys. This here is a purpose, and the more of us that can become informed, the better off we be, we will be. I love you guys. Stay safe.